Welcome to episode 270 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. We moved into our dream home last summer and felt quite fortunate that we didn't need to do a lot of big home repairs right away. Since home improvement tasks aren't my strong suit, I searched for and found a handywoman to help me with odd jobs that came up as we settled in. Within a month though, I found myself stepping up into this new homeowner role and for reasons that would require far too long to explain, I decided to change all of the doorknobs. This was a task I had done before and felt ready to take on. It felt good when it was all accomplished. Now, half a year later, I'm noticing that a few of those doorknobs are getting loose. No problem, I thought. I'll just tighten them. But in that time, all the tools in our toolbox seem to have scattered around our home. So rather than being something that can take a couple of minutes while waiting for my tea to steep, This has become a project and I'll need to actually schedule time to get it done. It's time to hunt down all of our tools and get them organized in the toolbox again. This is something I did for my business a year ago. In that case, it wasn't physical tools, but digital ones. By taking inventory of all the things I pay for monthly or annually, I was able to cancel the software I wasn't using and be reminded of the ones I'd forgotten about. Every now and again, I review this list to make sure I'm taking full advantage of what I'm paying for. It's not enough to have your tools organized in the toolbox. Tools are only useful when you remember to use them. Your challenge for this week. It's tax prep season, which is a great time to take stock of where your money is being spent in your business and make some decisions for your budget in 2022. I created a template you can copy to help you do this inventory and it doubles as a way to track how you want each expense categorized in your accounting software. This document has made it possible for me to get support from my assistant in managing my expense receipts each month and making sure every expense is properly categorized. Such a time saver when it came time to do my taxes this year. Looking for this template and additional resources to save you time, money, and stress? I've gathered my favorite resources, including my favorite professional referrals and tech tools in one place on my website. You'll find that at robbysamuels.com forward slash favorite dash things. If you're curious what else you might be missing on my website, I've got a handy start here page to help you navigate to the content that will help you right now. That's available at robbysamuels.com forward slash start dash here. Try this and let me know how it goes. Before we dive into this week's interview, did you know that as a virtual event design consultant and executive Zoom producer, I can help you get better at Zoom? I offer an online facilitation training, which includes a two-hour video plus 33 Zoom tutorial videos. You can learn more at robbysamuels.com forward slash rock. That's R-O-C-K. Are you ready to become a certified virtual event professional and increase your competence and confidence using Zoom, online facilitation, 
and virtual event design, the 5% Advantage program will next be scheduled in April and May. This is a hands-on program that spans more than four weeks and includes personalized feedback. Learn more and join the waitlist at the5percentadvantage.com. That's the number 5percentadvantage.com. Now, on to this week's interview. Today's guest believes in the importance of building strategic partnerships. She's a virtual and in-person networking trainer and an international speaker. As an expert in business networking and relationship marketing for over 15 years, she has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs at Team Referral Network in Southern California, teaching them how to network in the most lucrative way. She's the author or co-author of five books, including High Level Networking, Strategies to Build Referral Relationships and Joint Venture Partnerships, and Grow Your Email List. Today, she works with professionals with borderless boundary businesses from all of, of North America, the UK, Australia, South Africa, and beyond. Please join me in welcoming Terry Lee Harrison. Oh my gosh, Robbie, I am so delighted to be with you here today. Thank you so much. Terry Lee, I'm so excited. So I don't know how we managed to do this, but you're in Singapore. I'm here in the Philadelphia area, the East Coast of the U.S., and we managed to find a time. Super excited that we, we, we are here yet again. And thank you because you invited me on your show, and I immediately decided I had to invite you over to mine. I, we're going to continue. It's almost like part two, right, <laughs> of a conversation. Um, folks, in fact, I'll put a link in, in the show notes to my episode with her because I think you'll want to check out her, her uh, show. Please. So as you know, Terry Lee, the show, my show is about, um, the context is leadership because anyone who would um, succeed in a, in a field or industry uh, doesn't do so alone. And I love focusing on sort of that networking aspect of things. So, so tell me, how do you define leadership and when did you realize you have the skills to lead? I believe, Robbie, that leadership is when you show up in a group context, a team context. And that you show up in your giftings and you offer to serve with your giftings, no matter what those are. Some people are going to be people who um, they are just there every time, right? That their gifting is consistency and that's what they offer. Some people are going to be able to be the facilitator of the group and lead the group, right? Some people are going to be your tech people and that's the leadership they provide. We all have our gifts and I think it's when we recognize them and when we're willing to share them with others for the good of the team, of the group, of, of whatever organization we're part of. Um, I, for me, that's leadership. Um, that's absolutely leadership. And it's funny when I think back because I'm not this, um, I'm not a young girl anymore. I'm a, I'm a, hmm. I'm beyond a middle-aged woman, Robbie. <laughs> Gosh darn it! But um, but beside the point. But but I'm not. But I've been leading off and on since I was young. Just whenever things would come up, um, there I, if there was an opportunity to be someone that was a leader of any type, and I'm thinking back to ten years old, twelve years old, right? Just just when whenever things would come up, I was willing to do it, and I I wanted to be. Um, seen in that way. I wanted to be seen as someone who was doing good things, achieving good things. And I don't know, today I talk about service, service to the group. I don't know that I felt that way then, but I, I recognized what gifts I brought to the table and was willing to share them. Okay. I got to break this all down because these, these are both good answers and I don't want to miss one of them. So <laughs> I love the idea of defining leadership broadly enough that everyone shows up and by showing up and contributing 
their own gift. That is their leadership. That is their contribution. That is them providing service to the group. And, and you really do have a service lens, uh, servant leadership mm-hmm. sort of lens to this. And I, I really appreciate the idea that, you know, it's not just the person in front of the room, not just the person who holds the keys or the microphone, but like everyone who's involved is making this happen, this moment possible, including the people there to listen, right? The people yes. there to witness. So it's yes. really I, very expansive. I love, I love that I've been doing this show for five and a half years and people still surprise <laughs> me with definitions I hadn't thought of. And then I, I also really appreciate that you went back far enough to talk about being 10 or 12 years old, because I don't know if you've listened to the show, but sometimes people answer this question talking about, you know, oh, in grad school or my first corporate job. And I'm oh. like, what were you like in grade school? What about the playground? I love that innately you were a person who wanted to be visible. Um, you were fine being seen. You wanted to, to help. You want to be helpful. Probably didn't have the same language you have now around service, but you wanted to be helpful, no. contribute. Um, is that a family trait? Like, or was, or was that your role in the family? Like, where, where do you think that comes from this, this sort of willingness to step in, step up? That is such a great question. When I look back, I am like, so I just, it's myself and a sister and I was the older sister. So I don't know if, if being the older sibling kind of lended into that. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, you know, now in, in my life, I know I'm an introvert, which doesn't mean I'm shy. Right. But, but, you know, you think of your extroverted friends and, but that doesn't mean that they're not shy, um, but I, I was just willing. I was just, I, I don't know what it was, but well, the thing about leadership is once you do it once, you just know you can, right? Yeah. And especially if you try it out at a young enough age before all the fear around it maybe sets in and you have a good experience. Right. I didn't know not to be afraid. Was there someone, not to be afraid. was there someone in particular who, who sort of recognized this in you and nurtured this, this like willingness to step up? I do remember um, being so, okay. So for us uh, going into like seventh grade. So what's that like 12, 13? And um, just even like in church, they were doing like a youth training event, like for leadership. And I was invited in and like, I was young, like everyone else was in high school. Ah, uh, okay. Listen, okay. Get this one. This is good one too. I think that, yes, yeah, some people did pour into me, if you will. So and this is, is, is this leadership or is this sharing talent? You'd have to tell me. But um, so I was very musical growing up. And as an example, in sixth grade, I was asked to um, be the accompanist at our like spring choir concert for my elementary school. Okay. Like most sixth graders aren't the ones who like are the head. No, I co-did it with the, with the music teacher, right? Um, but some of it I was on my own. And so I think because, yes, there were people that I think probably gave me confidence. Like now I can look back and I haven't thought about this for years. So thanks, Robbie. But yes, what a lesson to us with the people in our lives, the young people, those little things we do can mean so much to them. They can mean so much to them. Yes. Yeah, so I guess, yes. And what a reminder it is to me. I want to pour more into the young people in my life because we don't know what trajectory that can set them on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really neat to uncover the fact these simple little uh, opportunities that, um, you know, they saw, saw you thought you could do it and you didn't know enough to say, no, I can't. I didn't know to say no. <laughs> <laughs> and so you did it. Oh, thank and- you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that's so neat to think back at these uh, moments that really do shape us and and how in some ways we've always been ourselves, even though the, the road can feel 
kind of, you know, broken along the way, but in retrospect, there's always sort of a more clear path to who you are today. When, when you got done with school, with high school, did you, did you go right to college? Was that part of the plan? You know, I did go to college and it's interesting that path too, because um, I opted, okay, a little slight 30 second segue. I opted out of college prep classes in high school. And so this is part of my age. Like they offered like secretarial um, office admin classes and we had chances to even work like our senior year. And so I was working and I was going to like do like an AA in like office stuff, business stuff. And, and the company I was at, they kept me on. And you know what? I We only paid for like one year of college. The company ended up as I, I, I worked then and went to school and like it was all paid for. Mm. So it's interesting. Um, yeah. What a path. Gosh, you're reminding me of all the old day stuff. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because it was an opportunity. You took it mm-hmm. and it led yep. to covering the hospital. Did you know when you went to, into school, into, you know, into college and, and higher ed, what you wanted to do? Was there a clear path for you? Um, because uh, I would listen, I was super good at the, at the office admin stuff. And I just thought I was destined to be like a high level in my, in, the, my, in my mind in that time, like a high level administrative assistant for someone. And that's what I was going to do. So that part was pretty clear, but it also became clear to me that I wasn't supposed to stop at the AA. So I went ahead and finished my bachelor's in business and, and um, in business and marketing, which is interesting um, how that has played out over the years too. Like I didn't expect to be in relationship marketing as a business. Um, so right. it's been, it's been, um, and I don't know how much I think back to college, but, but everything just, all, everything unfold, would unfold and I would just walk through the door. If the door is open, I walk through. That's a personality trait. I have to say a lot of people, mm-hmm. A, don't see the doors opening right? Oh, they have blinders mm-hmm. on and they're so mm-hmm. singularly focused on one thing and, or mm-hmm. they're afraid of new opportunities or they overthink uh. new opportunities or they can't make a decision. So it's interesting that you can actually say that you're, you're a person, the door would open and you'd be like, okay, this is the next thing. What was the next thing for you after college then? How did you, how did this like career path kind of unfold? So it ended up, I ended up in a career that no one grows up wanting to be, but it's inside of that company that hired me, um, I ended up working in the, you're going to laugh. Are you ready? Um, like commercial credit and collections. Like I almost said to you collections. To- when you said just now something no one wants to be, I was like collections. Yes. And so the interesting thing about it was, so it was, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Like we, we, and my salespeople that would work with me, like I would approve their new accounts. Sometimes I'd have to hold their orders, right? They would always say, I don't like what you're telling me, but I like how you tell me. Like I enjoyed the communication part of it. And, but I ended up in that field um, off and on for, for different industries over the next, I want to say like 10 years. I was in it for a while. I was in it for a while. And it's it's not a bad gig. And a lot of times, you know, you get to work with large corporations. I've some of the companies I've worked with, we worked with Target. I've got to go to like the Target home office, um, Home Depot, Lowe's, like it just depends, you know, some of the major grocery stores like in the Los Angeles area are sometimes your clients. It's not like you're working just with these small people and begging them to pay you. Sometimes right. it's a little bit more high level. Yeah. Such an interesting Mm -hmm. thing that you wouldn't have foreseen five years before that, like that, that would be a thing. And, and then you spent a decade doing it. 
I'm now okay. So now you gotta you gotta put some breadcrumbs down to to get us from from so. here yeah. to relationship yeah. marketing. Um, it, <laughs> I know, right? It feels like the antithesis in some way because um, you know no one wants to actually talk to the collector. <laughs> and, I know. And, and I relationship know. marketing, it's all about attraction. So how how did how did you know this was like where you wanted to go? Okay, I didn't. That's the cool part. Okay, so so um, life brings us transitions, and sometimes it comes in the form of our family, right? So I had um, I, I married and had several children, and um, when my youngest was little, I thought, you know what, I don't want to work full time, and so I was introduced. So here's here's the bridge. Okay, so Robbie, if there was a bridge, the bridge was here. I'd been involved in some form of like money communication, working with people. And I ended up um, doing financial services part-time. You see the, like, like I to transition out of corporate world. I started, I thought, how cool I can work. I can still be a professional. I can work with families. I can still, you know, help families with their money. And so I began training in financial services, but the bridge is I started network. I was told I needed to network to grow my business. And so I did. And I came to like the networking part of my business and I came to feel stifled in financial services because of all the compliance issues, right? Like all the things I wanted to do to market my business, I wasn't allowed to necessarily do, or they would put the restraints on. And so the thing about it was, okay, so the leader in me, back to the leader conversation, what I didn't realize is this isn't rare. This happens every day. <laughs> what didn't take me long in networking to be asked to be a leader? Duh, that happens all the time, right, Robbie? <laughs> so, but I thought, oh, well, hey, you know. And so um, I literally ultimately transitioned and started running um, some networking groups in the greater Los Angeles area. Um, and that, that was the bridge. And I've really never looked back. That was in 2006 that, that all went down. That's amazing. It was around the same time I founded a, um, a meetup group in 2005 uh, mm -hmm. that grew to thousands of members. And you know, we hosted hundreds of events. I did it for 11 years. So you know, similar, similar moments. Uh, there was a lot of great organizing going on, a lot of networking people. I think we it was sort of all felt new finding each other online and then getting together in person was still a little bit novel. Yes. Um, so I think there was a yes. lot of energy around it. Yeah. It was a good time to, to sort of show up in the world in that way. Um, I, I, I get the liking networking. I, I mean, personally, I get it. I don't know if everyone listening gets it, but I get yeah. it. And no. the yeah, part I that I, I'm always can, uh, uh, question because I had trouble with this and it took me years is knowing that you like networking and knowing other people need help with networking. How do you bridge the people don't actually want to pay for it? Like people don't like want, like, even though they say they're not good at networking, they never really are like, well, therefore I must get training or therefore I must get a coach to help me with this. How did you unlock who your audience was going to be for this skill that you've developed that you were so passionate about, but that other people were a little like, eh, about? Mm. The interesting thing for many, many years was I focused on facilitating these groups and bringing these amazing communities together, right? And, and I would throw in the teaching as part of it, right? It's been more recently, it's been more recently to me because you are right. I think that sometimes people don't value, like they will invest in their website. They will invest in Facebook ads. Do they invest in their personal networking training? 
it's it's a new thought for them. I I had someone say to me recently um, that he, that he felt that people needed to be educated in just why networking, you know, why networking the right way, and why is this important? Because you know, I, as you and I know, I will tell people that that when you can effectively network, you don't need to invest so much in Facebook ads, right? Because you're going to have these high level relationships who are going to be you know, creating a steady stream of referrals and, but people don't, I, I, I'm not sure that they see the power. So the conversation of why network, I think it's a big one. I think it's a big one to have. Yeah, I think you're right. It took me a while to realize that the, the key for me was business development, which is kind of yes. the area you've wandered into as well. Right. Yes. That, that when you say referrals, it's business and you know, um, people who are deathly afraid of leaving their house and so, 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 <laughs> so shy and so, so, so nervous. Um, that's not, they're not the people who are going to want to, to get better at this, but people no. who are generally out in the world and, and wanting to like have a bigger impact, I, that ends up being people who are a little more interested. Um, but it's a question of packaging and figuring out the audience, but you've also been fortunate to be connected to the team referral network in Southern California. How did that connection come up? Is that because of all the, the leadership you had in these networking circles? Okay, this is a good one. Okay, so, you know, people want to make great introductions for you. I know you want to make great introductions for the people you met. We met through an introduction, right? Of someone that I may never, I spoke to somebody once and I may never speak to her again, but yet here, I think I'm going to build this relationship with you where you and I are like not going to go away in each other's lives. And so that's the power. It's the power of what happens. But people told me as I was running um, this one particular networking organization to start, they said, you must meet Kelly Holmes, the founder of team. You must meet Kelly Holmes, the founder of team. And finally, somebody facilitated the introduction. And and you know what? Things just took off from there. We began co-hosting events together with our organizations. And eventually she kind of stole me, she kind of, she stole me over. <laughs> she stole me over. And I, I've just always, um, I, I've been with them ever since. I've been with them ever since. Some people love like, referral networking, you know, hardcore, I say hardcore, but kind of it's referral networking is for the serious networkers, right? They're the people who, who think it's cool to go to a once a month networking thing. And that's good for them. There are some people who really want to dive in and get serious about referrals. And, and, and that's the, that's the culture I've been in all these years. And that's some of the high level strategies I teach people as how to take those concepts and level them up to create steady streams of referrals, or even how about create the largest deals of your life? It's possible with networking. Yeah. So this is great. What kind of audiences do you work with then? Mm, I love these days to work with coaches, consultants, and solopreneurs. And I'm especially, you had read in my bio about um, working with like the borderless boundary businesses, people from all over the world. I, I can certainly speak to an audience of people with brick and mortar businesses that are in Chicago or um, people that are in Miami that, that are work serving people there in their community. And I believe we need to get back to the community that we're in. I absolutely be known in our community, uh, but I absolutely love the people that are working online and serving people everywhere. That just get, lights my fire. That's, hey, that's why um, I'm in Singapore right now and you're not. And here we are together. I love this phrase, borderless boundary businesses. It's another, it's sort of like when I learned um, digital nomad, it gave me another like yes. point of view on how to think about the world and how we show up in it. Um, I mean, my business yes. has definitely gone in that route. Like the fact that I have this global network and who, who I can serve yes. is not limited to a geographic space, which actually allowed me to move cities. Um, you know, I really was yes. so deeply invested in one city, Boston, 
And after a while, it's like, wow, my network is not Boston focused as it was in, in the beginning. Um, it's pretty neat. So I would love to hear a little more about how you decided to, to focus on this as a business, because it's one thing to like work with other people, but it sounds like you work with other people and you have your own, your own business. So how did you decide to do that? And, and were there entrepreneurs in your life, like guiding you? Did you have to go look for them? Okay. I so think, you know what, when I first did it, as I think back, you asked me, you really have not having me think back to the far recesses of my mind, but guess what? It was again, when another door opened, it's about the doors opening. And sometimes I am the one who kind of knocks. <laughs> sometimes I'm the one who might take that doorknob and like crack the door open a little bit. Or, or sometimes it's not, but come to think of it over the years, it's just been as the opportunities came, I would weigh them out and, and here, and here, and here we are. It just so like sort of a, a, sort of a side hustle uh, sort of evolved organically. It sounds like, like as you, as you saw opportunities, you took well, them. As, as opportunities came, I took them and, and truly as you have imagined over the years, you know, I've been training people, the people that I would lead in my networking organizations, I've been training them all these years, right? But just as it as it just naturally began to come up, it was like, wait a minute, you know, there's so much more I can do to help these people. And, um, and I can serve them in ways um, beyond just the the little bit they're going to get if I come to speak at a regular meeting. And so, so yeah. creating programs where we can really affect change, really affect people's income, their impact, um, help them reach their goals um, through their networking. That's when this all came. And truly, um, if, of the, my 15 years experience, things have really progressed um, quite a bit over the last few years. And maybe some of that was partially robbing my, um, my uh, working, living overseas going more online because um, that's the thing we didn't talk about was that um, I was online before COVID. We were doing online networking before COVID. Um, and, uh, and so just being in that space a little bit ahead of time, maybe that's what also just allowed me to evolve a little more in, in wanting to train more. Um, but I'll tell you um, that there are people who um, can find that networking changes their life. It changes our personal life. Our business life, it changes, it can change everything. And all, all we sometimes have lessons learned, but, but it can absolutely change it all for the good. I'd love to hear about this new book. Um, so you've got lots of books, you've, you've co-authored some books, you've written some books, but this one's high level networking strategies to build referral relationships and joint venture partnerships and grow your email list. So what uh -huh. are sort of the, the strategies? What's your focus? Who's your audience for this? Mm. So Anyone who is an experienced networker can pick this book up and get it. I want people to think about the concept of school. Like they don't teach us networking in school. So a lot of this book, quite honestly, I'm not saying I'm schooling you, but yet this is everything they didn't teach you in school about how to build your network in, in the most dynamic and lucrative way. I will speak to the people that are building their business in their community and also a lot of um, on information for people networking online. That's a newer concept for a lot of us, right? So we, some of us, this is just something new we've been thrown into over the last year. And, and I, I do have a lot of information for those who, who even though we knew we had, could have a borderless boundary business, a lot of us didn't really 
take advantage of that opportunity until just a year ago. So you were just speaking to that, right? So, so this book is about not just looking for one referral at a time. This is the process. This is the strategy, the how-tos, the nuts and bolts with some funny stories from me because I'm full of them. Um, I, I sh- I'm very authentic in my journey and the things I did in the beginning when I didn't know. Um, but it's going to be um, high-level referral partner building. We're going to talk about JVs. I say referral partners can help you create that steady stream of referrals. With JVs, you can do some of the largest deals you've ever done in your life. And then the one topic note that very few people like to talk about and that, but it can be one of the biggest assets in your business and that's growing your email list. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've, I've taken the opposite tact, which is grow your email list. But even, and, uh, even though you don't have any email list, you can still sell something because of your network, right? So you just were part of my book launch. In fact, the day after you met me, you got my book and immediately sent me a review, which still stands out to me because it was, uh, it was a sort of stunning moment, um, how quickly you responded. So I love this though, because I think that all these things are true, that if you're thoughtful about who you're building connections with, that's gonna lead to referrals. I haven't done a lot of JV stuff, so I'm excited to read your book for that. Um, you know, thoughtfully building your email list with the right people, right? Yes. Not just, I think a lot of people make these mistakes of, you know, attracting, but not, not um, mm-hmm. curating. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, I'm so, with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, this is exciting. And are you building a launch for this? I mean, we're, we're now speaking, it's book, the book is out when you're all listening to this, but when we're recording this, we're still a little bit of ways from the launch date. Are you, are you going to do a big launch? Are you going to like, build some momentum around it. I'm, I'm, I'm asking out of my own morbid curiosity, how the person just did this? I have to tell you, so, so may I confess to your audience, you know, guys, Robbie's right. Okay. So I learned of him. We hadn't even spoken. I found out he was a fellow author ready to launch his book. And I said, I'll help you, you know? So I jumped in, I grabbed the book, I did the quick read um, enough to know that I loved it, gave him the review. And what I liked is you're right. I think that we are, our ideas in tandem work very well together. And that's one thing I love is meeting people who it's not that I said, Oh, Robbie might be my competition, but sometimes the niches that we serve, like we can really be introducing our audiences um, to these to someone else who can offer them such amazing strategies that really blend in well with what we do. So that was one reason was I enjoyed um, wanting to help the fellow author. But when I saw your book launch process, like the timing of that, okay, another door open sort of like, I was like, I want to have a big book launch team. So I want to have momentum. And so you inspired me, Robbie. You And I know I can imagine that you've inspired many other authors as well. And and if this was my very first book, I don't know that I would be so excited about the launch team. I should be, but but this is not my first go around. And other, uh, some of the other books that I've written, um, I have a book that's like my personal, personal story, like all the stuff we didn't talk about in this episode, like the, the tough journey, right? And, um, but I'm, I'm super, like, that was one I knew was one I had to tell. I felt called to tell it, but I feel called to share my expertise. I, and so this book is, high-level networking is so important to me because there are going to be people that are totally helped by this book, people who are ready to move forward and build their network with some of these strategies. And so so um, having that launch team, getting them rallying behind, um, is super important to me. So thank you for laying the groundwork and being such a sharer when it comes to that information. I just want to acknowledge you for that. 
Well, I know that's going to be in the middle of the night for you, but there is going to be a, a book launch debrief masterclass. And uh, we will mm -hmm. be sharing the replay with folks, but the live, the live sessions available for my launch team. Um, but I'll make nice. sure, Terry Lee, that you get, uh, you get a copy of that. I would love that. Um, I <laughs> so would you don't have to be up that. in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, but I do Thank think you. that uh, one of the things I think about, which relates to this book launch idea, is that around asking for help. And I think networking mm -hmm. is sort of in its core. It, there's a there's a bit of like vulnerability of like asking for something, you know, a, a, like some sort of exchange happens. And I think some of the reasons people might shy away is they 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 feel weird or vulnerable or um, beggy about asking for something. And yet when they when they're asked to give something, like they feel really good about it, right? So uh, that's one of the things I'm always working with people around. And I think a launch like a book launch is a good example of how to get your network really like, you know, aware of you and what you're doing and like rallying around you if you're willing to, to put it out there. And it's not actually about, because the way you just described your book, I just wanted to underscore this because I think this is true for a lot of authors. Yes, you would love to have a number one, blah, blah, blah. But you know, it's not about you. It's because you think the book's worth people reading. So my whole launch was to get people to read the darn thing. <laughs> you know, it was a yes. lot of handholding, a lot of extra experiences, a lot of extra value, a lot of like, a lot of events that we did just to make sure people actually got a chance to engage with the content. Because once they did, they saw the value in it. And then the word of mouth will, of course, spread it um, to other, they'll tell other people. But if they buy the ebook because I they want to do me a favor and they just put it down on the list, and they, don't, they don't do anything with it. It doesn't help them. You know, it doesn't serve anybody. So in some ways you have to kick yourself out of the way, right? When you're thinking, oh, it's about me. It's about me. It's, no, it's not about you. If you make it about you, you don't help people. Yeah. The, the only way to serve a lot of people is going to be to be out of my own way. And I was just thinking, um, so, so yes, thank you for even the opportunity to chat with you now. But I was even thinking about who am I going to reach out to, um, to say, Hey, um, I would love to get booked on some podcasts for my upcoming book launch and just start begin putting that out there and begin getting those scheduled. And, and we cannot be afraid. I, people do love to help. People do love to help. I did a five day challenge several months ago and I just reached out. I reached out to 20 people I was close to and just said, Hey guys, um, this is what I have going on now. And I wondered, would you be open to hosting me on a live um, for your audience to chat about it. And when there's something that you have going on and I can reciprocate for you, please let me know. And 15 people took me up on it, right? Yeah. 15 of the 20. Like All we have to do is ask people, like just even meeting you. Oh, I don't even know you. And I'm like, sure, I'll support your launch. Oh my gosh. Like asking is key and, and it's in the asking and in the spreading the word that we can make a difference. So we really, it's it's almost selfish of you not to ask. How do you like that? I do think get it's out true. of your own head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, because if you don't ask because of your own feelings, that other person's being denied happiness. Yeah. They get a chance to help you. They'd feel good. Right. I know. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'll go there. I'll follow you down <laughs> that path. <laughs> so, uh, so Terry Lee, mm -hmm. I was thinking about um, this in the context of your launch. Um, oh, I had a whole thought process here. All right. I'll get back to that thought process. So I want to know specifically, uh, this is a question I'm always asking people. Uh, you have sort of your innermost circle of people, um, but then there's sort of that second and third tier or layer out the people that you might see once a year at a conference or you work with five years ago, but you don't really see them very often right now. These are people you like. That's something yes. I should say. People yeah. you enjoy, but you, but you have to, you wouldn't like randomly, you wouldn't like see them 
unless you were purposeful. You wouldn't connect with them unless you were purposeful. How do you think about nurturing, sustaining those kinds of connections? Do you have any habits, any philosophies or practices that help you nurture a, a wider network and not just your closest friends? Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is one of my key concepts in, in how to expand your network in the book. And it's, it's about, I call it reconnecting. And it's, it's the importance of t- this, today we're all about the, the new connection and the new follower and all that, right? But, but, but there is gold in our network. So many of you, you might've networked for 15 years like I, you might've networked for 20, but some of you might've just been networking for a couple of years, but it doesn't matter. There's the people uh, that you described, Robbie, that, that I always talk about, think about who did you totally enjoy having a relationship with? Maybe it was a work relationship. Maybe you volunteered with them one time. Maybe it was someone from school. Maybe it was um, someone you did a business project with a networking partner, but being strategic and intentional about your favorite people and reach, like start and reach out to them and just see where they are right now and explore. Most people aren't doing the same thing. And even myself, I've been with the same company for all these years, but I have a different scope now, right? Of where I'm serving people. Um, but people are doing different things and there's that exploring, what can you do now? Is there anything you could do now? People love to still help. Um, sometimes you can find there are some synergies you have to move together, sometimes not. But I always love the feel good, Robbie, the feel good of finding out how that person's doing, right? It's it's huge. And so I totally um um, totally on board with you with your your line of teaching on that. I think it's a huge part of our networking and it's one we cannot ignore. Mm. So on a practical sense then, do you schedule time in your week, in your month? Do you have a certain metric you're trying to aim for? Um, how do you figure out which people, like how do you mm. approach this? It's a great idea yes. Con- conceptually. Yes, yes. I invite people to set a goal. So maybe it's just even one reconnection a day, right? Maybe, I don't know. Like, like what, what do they have the bandwidth for? I believe doing it at all is key. And once they've tried it, they can add more. And some of it's going to be um, possibly even like going through and through your LinkedIn connections, right? Some of it's going to be um, just revisiting um, who, who it is that you know that you want to connect with. There's sometimes people, I, I'm not so sure it will be the people that you like talk to once and never talk to again. I don't know. I don't know. It's possible that you could just say, Hey, you know, we never really um, hit it off. I think sometimes it's the people that you actually like had some type of a relationship with. But if you think about even the concept of one a day, um, even if you counted weekends, that's 365 people. Like if we actually did that, that'd be powerful and make a huge difference in, in our life and our business. If we actually would follow through and even do that much. And so what, how are you building this into your life right now? Ah, you know, I make sure that it's part of my networking. I make sure that it's um, part of my scheduling. Um, I teach people um, about networking planning and planning with intention. So at the beginning of every month, I look at who do I want to connect with this month. And so I will, I will make my list. So I, I think that when we will put things in writing, we will actually make them happen. And if you're just winging it, probably not. I like it. Yeah. So my, my latest book, Smallest Big Results, has a whole section on how to wake up your network, which sounds, again, a lot of synergies there yep. um, where I'm, I'm walking people through a process of identifying people. It could be from LinkedIn or Instagram. It doesn't matter where the list comes from. But the first pass through the list is who would remember your name and yes. you would be happy to hear from them out of the yes. blue. Yes. And then there's like other criteria to like assess their connection and their influence and their interest in what you're doing. Um, because I think, you know, again, how do you, how do you figure out who to start reaching out to? It sounds like 
you have a, a planning moment at the beginning of each month. So you have a thought about who you want to connect with. Um, do you use CRMs? Do you use spreadsheets? Do you use index cards? Like, do you just do it as you think of people? Like, how are you, how are you keeping track of your wider network? So for me, um, it tends to be, I have fancy CRMs, <laughs> but it tends to be um, spreadsheets. It tends to be spreadsheets. And I will even go to, um, you know, the card if needed. Um, but um, but um, what I say is it's most important to use a system that's going to work for you. If it is a card, then great, right? If it is a card, then great. If you are into your $250 a month CRM and it works for you, awesome. But the most important thing is um, what will work for you. But yeah, I tend to go with a spreadsheet. Yeah, it's funny. I joked for years, the similar concept, like, you know, you should use whatever you'll actually use. Like that's, yes. that's to be it. But then I would say, and if it's a stack of index cards, that's great. And then it turns out I had this colleague who used the stack of index cards and he had a whole system around it. And he came on, his name is Ron Tester. We'll link to his show in the show notes. He went and he explained his whole process and it's so simple. And I went out and bought a stack of index cards and then haven't put it into use. But it is an intention <laughs> of mine to, to use that for this coming year. Because it was, I, I love the idea of the, like, the tangibility of like, you look at the top of the stack and you're like, oh, look, Terry Lee. Oh, I should probably reach out to her. And then after you do, you put the name to the bottom of the stack. And if I see a name and I'm like, no, that person's not really someone I want to reach out to right now. I put him, I, I move him to the stack for now. Like I, and then when you get I new, new people, like that. you put new, new, new people, you add them to the stack and you know, you're going to connect with them again. So it's just, I don't know. There was hmm. this like tangibility and you could quickly like go through five names in a few minutes. And then okay, and, you know, I like it. Sometimes a phone call. Sometimes it's an email. Sometimes just checking what they're doing on Facebook and writing a comment. Um, I liked the flexibility and that yeah. I didn't have to open. I, I honestly, I have burned my way through CRMs. True, be true. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was really into it. Was one CRM in the very beginning, uh, back in 2015, 16. I loved it, and it. I ended up connecting to my entire email list, and then everybody. It was like everybody and their mother was in the CRM. It just didn't mm -hmm. make sense. So mm -hmm. too many data points <laughs> is not mm -hmm. better. <laughs> That's what I've learned. Yeah. Um, this is really cool. So thank you for, I mean, you're giving us some really awesome, tangible ideas. We'll definitely direct people to get the link to your book that we're going to put in the show notes. I'm wrapping us up with one final question, and then we'll let people figure out how to connect with you. So, um, so we're going to stay in touch. This is sort of a given, but let's say it's a year from now, and we're talking about what an amazing year you've had. Mm -hmm. I want to know what we'll be celebrating what are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? Mm, I am looking forward to um, speaking to many organizations and teams to help them level up their networking. I am looking forward to training people both one-on-one -on -one and in groups, um, helping people be able to come back in a year and talk about how they were able to create the largest deals of their life and, and um, having it change their bank account, their legacy, having it change, um, even their, how about their confidence in themselves, right? They show up more powerfully when they network because they've grown, they've developed these skills, they're confident and they're, they're able to do more and be more. And most important, let's go back to some of our first conversation. They'll be able to serve more people, right? I believe we all have a calling. I believe that we all have something to bring to the world, whether that's a method, a message, maybe it's a cause. And and if people can have more effect in a positive way in the world with what they want to bring to the world and I can help them, 
that that's what I want to celebrate. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to the next year and I, I challenge us to have that conversation. What do you say? Yeah, I, I agree. I can't wait to celebrate with you. I mean, that all sounds amazing. And um, will you still be in Singapore a year from now? Ah, yes, I will. You'll be still. Yes, oh, this is amazing. I will. And you yes, still have your, your deep roots in the LA area, it sounds like. So you're still deeply connected. I think to there. so. I wow. think so. I'm deeply rooted into Houston, Texas, where we have a wow. granddaughter. So I love. Um, so, um, and oh my gosh, and in a year, let's talk about where um, we are. Oh gosh, in a year with with whatever's the latest with COVID, hopefully right. it is not a major part of our life in a year. I would be very happy. Yeah, it'd be great to be able to travel and see each other and all that. That's right, my friend. That is right. Mm, Speak this into existence. Hey, where can (laughs) Terry Lee, where can people find you and follow your work? You know, I would love it if people found me on LinkedIn. I'm my name, Terry Lee Harrison. Find me on LinkedIn. If you'd like information on the high level networking book, guess what? It's a complicated website, highlevelnetworkingbook.com. Um, so invite you to um, go go look it up there. And um, just for people, if I can help you in any way, if you have a networking question, reach out to me. I'm happy to say hello. I love to connect and see who I can connect you to. And if I can serve you in any way, please let me know. Really? My um, favorite networking mantra, uh, Robbie, I'll throw it out, is let's cheer each other on and help each other grow. And like I, I would like for that to be even the relationship that you and I have together. I love it. I love it. I knew there's a reason I'd like to. Listen, um, thank you so much for sharing with us. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Terry Lee, thank you again. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Terry Lee. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 270. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which are your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. And don't forget to subscribe for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey, how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.